Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, how are we? We good? Good. Glad you guys are here today. Hey, if you don't know me, you're a guest with us. First of all, man, thanks for being here, man. We're super honored that you would come. Uh, be a part of what, what we think God is really doing in this, uh, this, this area. And so, man, thank you for being here. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. And so, again, I would love to meet you. Uh, I will be outside afterwards. I actually do my best to, there'll be an announcement video at the end of the service, and I try to sneak out. So I can be the first one out, because I really would love to greet you and, and talk to you if you want that. Uh, but I'm excited. Uh, today, we're going to be wrapping up this series called The Nest. But let me give you just a couple things I want to make sure you know about. Uh, number one, Alpha is our Sunday night kind of Bible say we've been doing. Uh, we've not historically been kind of a Sunday night church yet. So the last three weeks, we've done a Sunday night thing and it's going incredibly, incredibly well. And so if you haven't been a part, it's not too late. You can absolutely just show up tonight at six o'clock. Uh, we actually do, uh, we eat together, it's five bucks, but we're doing canes tonight, so it'd be fun. Uh, and then your kiddos, they eat free each week down the hall. And then our student ministry also doing Alpha. Uh, uh, part of the middle school is here and then senior high is down the road at a house. We can help you make sure you understand that. But it's just going well, man. There's some real community is happening. Uh, I think it will help you. I think it'll grow you spiritually. But I think the result of that, I think our church will be uh, growing deeper with Christ. And so it's an incredible study. Love for you to be a part of that tonight. Uh, make sure you also note Saturday. So the second Saturday of every month, we have men's breakfast. And so the third is women's breakfast, but this comes the second. So women's breakfast is this, or excuse me, men's breakfast. Women, stay home. Men, you show up. <laughs> men's breakfast is this weekend, Saturday at 830. Uh, I will be there. It's going to be awesome. And so come be a part. It's just a good time to really, it's super, super low-key, no pressure at all. You just show up, eat, man, someone will give a quick Devo, we'll do a little worship, and it's just a good time to hang out with other guys in the church. It's a great time to meet people uh, and really just be kind of encouraged by one another. And then probably the most important announcement I have is next Sunday is Baptism Sunday for us. And so listen to me, if you've got, uh, if you've given your life to Christ when you were 12, or maybe that was last week at 50 years old, whatever that is, can I just push you a little? That's your next step of obedience. If you've never been baptized, let me encourage you, man, really, again, make sure you understand as a church what we believe. We don't believe baptism is salvation. We believe salvation has already happened. And so therefore, if I've already been saved, I want to tell you. And so the way we do that, we have a uh, kind of a portable baptism pool that we put outside. There's a heater, relax. It'll be fine. It's fine. Uh, that literally, so the idea is you go down, man, symbolizing what Christ did. He took away your sins through salvation, not through that water, but through salvation. And we, man, and we're family. And so we go outside and people cheer and clap because we're unbelievably excited for what God has done inside of you. But it's really, it's a step of obedience. So let me, let me push you a little bit in that area. You can sign up on the app or, or online or even probably next steps you can sign up after we're out of here uh, today. Well, we are in this series, wrapping it up actually, that's called The Nest. And so week one, for all you single people, we solved all your dating problems. We solved all those, I hope. 
And then last week, or two weeks ago, then we talked about those of us that God has put on this marriage path. And so we talked about marriage and how to strengthen our uh, marriage. And then last week, we talked about how do we raise world-changing kids? Those of us have kiddos, like, what does that look like? Man, I, I want my boys to change the world. And so how do we do that? Well, today, we're going to wrap it up talking about empty nest. And so you may not be there right now, but uh, you and I, are we are on our way for that. But let me show you a quick video some people were interviewed about empty nest. So check this out. What's been the most fun thing about being empty nesters? Uh, the discounts for being senior <laughs> citizens. <laughs> <laughs> Since 96. Yeah, 1996 when our daughter went off to college. We've been empty nesters since 2000. Uh, it's been about 13 years. I would say stay busy. Find something to do to keep yourself occupied. I think for me, it would be everything's going to be okay. You know, we have a, our daughter, when she stayed at home, until she graduated college. And when she left, that's when she got married. So she stayed at home till the day that she got married. And that was hard for me. I lost my job in 98. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty traumatic. And so that came right after Kelly left, our daughter. So it was it was traumatic year and a half there. Mm -hmm. That was it. Life-changing event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably trying to find your place without your children because you do so much with your family. And <laughs> we've had a real unique situation because ours moved next door. So we, we're not really super empty nesters anymore <laughs> because we have two grandchildren that live next door. Uh-huh. Yeah. I always have to have a project, right? And my projects sometimes are rather large. It's like I'll buy a house and just decide to remodel it. Do you at least tell her before you do it or you just do it? Well, I kind of just do stuff like that. I just do it. Yeah. <laughs> always. Always. What do you want? Whatever I want to. <laughs> you know the answer to that. I know the answer. I have to give it to that. I've seen God move and work being next door to my grandchildren. I try to be an example for, for them and to bring them to the church that Chickasha has now that has been such a blessing. I think uh, a lot of people when they get a little older that uh, the church maybe leaves them behind where like our church, you know, we stay connected. Don't feel like, well, I'm old and I can't do anything anymore for the church. But, you know, there's being active in the, in the Lord's work really, really big for me. We see God move all the time, but I think as you get older, you um, 
take things less for granted. You really look for the things that God's doing and reflect on how He has worked things out in your life, which you didn't realize at the time, and learn to depend more and more on Him. You know, to know that He is in control and He's He's got you covered. It's incredible people. That, that couple there is the Ansley couple. Uh, man, incredible people. I think we looked. I think they've served literally 149 Sundays in the last three years. There, there's not many Sundays more than that in those three years. And so incredible, incredible people. But here's what I'm learning. So as a parent, the days sometimes seem long, but it seems like the years seem unbelievably short. Right? There are some days, man, that I feel like we get up and, and me and my boys and my, my wife, man, we go, go, go. Like it sometimes feels like we go all day long. It feels like three days are wrapped up into one day. But when you look back, like we've, my boys are, are 10 years with us now. Like when I look back, man, time does truly go so fast. And so this is last week, we we're at a basketball game and I saw a kid that I mean, I kind of recognized uh, from years ago. It's from our last church, but he played on the boys basketball team when we played upward basketball. And so I'll show you a quick picture. You see my boys, Paul and Timothy there. And then Grady is out here. Number two, that's Grady. And so then uh, I thought, man, that this kid looks a bit like Grady. So I saw him and I, I called his dad and found him. That's them today. So time, it's only a few years between that and time so, so I'll say this, I'm not an empty nester, but the realization has really hit me that I'm over halfway done with these dudes at the house, right? They're 11 and 12. Like I'm already halfway through that. And so today, what I want to try to answer the question, we're talking to empty nesters, but I think it, I think again, it's applicable for all of us is how do we make the most of that season? How do we make the most of that season? So while I'm not there, the scriptures have plenty to say. And again, I think it's applicable for all ages uh, today. And so here's what I do know. When your kids move out, this is not your cue to check out. Like it is not your cue to check out. In fact, the word retire, I can only find one time in the Bible. One time at all in the Bible. And that's in Numbers chapter 8, verse 25 and 26. It says that the, the Levites were instructed to step down from regular service of the tabernacle at age 50, after 25 years of service. Well, however, I don't think this means that once you hit the big 5-0, you just go turn in your resignation. See, the, the Levites in that same passage were clearly instructed in that passage actually to continue to assist their brothers is what the text actually reads. I think it's also worth noting for us today that Moses led the Israelites right up until his death at age 120. Methuselah, he's still fathering children beyond the age of 187. So if it's turning 50 or it's turning 100, it's certainly not the end for us as far as the Bible is concerned. And many of us, we think about, there are many kind of patriarchs that continue to work and, and lead into their old age. And in the Bible, in their old age was old age, right? There's this biblical implication I think we see a lot in scripture that appears to be that, that once maybe our paid roles at retirement change, we should continue to keep and play a key part in ministry, and particularly in building up and investing in the next generation. Let me tell you why. The next generation needs you. The next generation needs you. Last week, we talked that, that we may have plans 
We have plans for our kids. We have plans for ourselves. But God's plans are bigger and God's plans are better. You see, today, well, look, but David was planning on building the temple. But God actually wanted him to set it up for the next generation to actually build. Not for him to build, but for the next generation. And so let's go to work here in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. I'm going to read verses 2 and 3, and then I'll jump to 6 just for time's sake. It'll stay in context. You can read it later. But verse 2 says this. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of God. And I had made preparations for the building, but God said to me, You may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. Verse six, he said, he said to me, it is Solomon, actually, your son who shall build my house, shall build the temple and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. So you see David, you see his angst, like he wants to build the house of God. He wants to build the temple, but God actually wants him to merely prepare, not to build it, but to get it ready to build for the next generation. You see his purpose really was to prepare for ultimately what the next generation would build. You ever met with a retirement planner? I think you probably should if you haven't, but I, I've met on a couple different occasions. But there's sometimes, and I get twisted in my mind what, what I need to be doing. And so I leave those places sometimes and I think to myself, like, I feel like I'm kind of, and this is okay, but I feel like I'm setting up my own kingdom sometimes. Like, what's this going to look like for me? Maybe God is trying to tell us really how to prepare for the next generation to build his kingdom. Listen, I'm not telling you not to set up retirement. All of you should be preparing. I'm simply saying, never forget that his kingdom is far more important than our kingdom. And you got to think this has to be frustrating for David. I mean, can you imagine spending your entire life dreaming, knowing that you would never see that dream fulfilled? You think about Moses. Remember Moses waltzed around in the desert for 40 years, never got to that milk and honey, never went into the promised land. Like he never got to experience that. But it didn't matter. Why? Because he moved God's people forward. He moved them forward where God wanted them to be. So what if God's plan was, was for you was less about what you accomplished and actually more about what you left behind? What if your greatest investment is you make in the kingdom of God isn't about what you accomplish now, but what's accomplished later because of the impact that you had now on those who were coming after you? And maybe it's not about what you built, but maybe it's about who you build. Maybe it's not about what you accomplish but it's about what you actually pass on to the next generation. Maybe it's not about what you dream, but actually maybe what you dream for the next generation to do. Listen, and we should never complain about the generation that we're raising. Like when I hear people say, oh, this generation today, all these participation trophies, guess who's handing them to them? That's us, right? We're handing them to them. So we should never criticize the generation because the only way they will learn is if we teach them if we show them. And listen, if we'll literally kind of let them stand on our shoulders so they would reach higher than we could ever imagine them or us reaching on our own as we get older. I want to challenge us to three different things today. And again, I think this is applicable if you're 30 because you used to be 20. If you're 40, you used to be 30. Like there's, there's, I think no matter what, how old you are, there's someone below you. So the first thing, you've got to show your faith. You've got to show your faith. 
Let's go back to Chronicles 28, looking at verse 9. He says this, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. That's nice teaching him. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So above all else at all, David has charged his son to live a life of devotion to God. Even the very purpose of building this temple flowed out of a life that, that, was, that was devoted to God. The older we get, I just think the more we should know Jesus, right? The older we get, the more we should know about Jesus, the more mature we are in our faith. But just for me, it just seems like the less we actually share it. There's statistical evidence that'll tell you that new believers share their faith more than anyone. It doesn't make sense logically to me that if I know Christ more today than I did a year ago, I've got more info for you. Like I've got more experience for you. Why wouldn't I share my faith even more as I mature in my faith? It seems to me maturing in your faith should equate to sharing your faith more. But as we age, it just seems to me this urgency seems to dim. And I just think maybe we lose sight of the future. What we need in our church is more Lois Ginger's. So, so Lois Ginzer is, is, is Chris's grandmother. And so I don't know if Lois is in here right yet or not, but listen, let me tell you, I'm just gonna guess Lois 45. We'll just say that. So she's, she's <laughs> the granddaughter just said it, over 80. I didn't say it, the granddaughter said it. I don't think she'll ever quit. Like, I literally don't think she'll ever quit. Like, I see her. She shows up in Norman, where she does admin work for us. She shows up here on Sunday mornings. Like, she just doesn't quit. Like, the more she knows Jesus, the more she's sharing with Jesus with everyone all around her. I'm just saying, your generation that you're around, yes, they need to be strong, and they just see you strong in your faith. But the next generation needs to see you strong in your faith just as much, if not more one of my favorite prayers that I think really feels more like a challenge that, that Sir Francis Drake said is this. This is good. He says, disturb us, Lord, when? So disturb us when we are too well pleased with ourselves. Disturb us, Lord, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed far too small. Disturb us, Lord, when we have arrived safely because we sailed <clears throat> too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when's the last time we asked God to disturb us? When's the last time from this casual kind of comfortable Christianity life, when's the last time we said, God, shake our world up, disturb my faith? Because listen, I think there's a big difference between having faith in Jesus and actually being faithful to Jesus. I think those are two different things. And maybe you say, well, I'm not around those kind of people. I'm only around people who know Jesus. Well, maybe you ought to change that. Maybe you ought to find yourself in, in environments where you can share Christ with people who don't know Christ. So again, while your generation, I think, needs you to be strong in your faith, I think the next generation needs you to see your faith being lived out. So not only that, show your faith. Number two, share your wisdom. Some of you are loaded. You're loaded with godly wisdom. In fact, James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, to ask. And I think God uses you when someone, of, me at 42, asks, some of you 60-year-olds need to give it. And I think the same is true for me. When someone younger than I ask, I think I need to give it. So verse 11 through 19 of this passage really is the, the largest section here. And really what happens is he lays out kind of all the details of the plans that God gave to David for the building of the temple. 
And it shows that David wasn't just charging Solomon to build the temple, but he's actually showing him how to do it. He's not giving him an instruction manual. He's actually talking through how to do it. So verse 20 says, then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for your service of the house of the Lord is finished. So so see David walking, talking with this confidence. How can he be so certain? How how can he he be so certain that that God never, do not be afraid, just made it for the Lord God's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. How can he be so confident in this? Because David has seen it. Like he's seen the Lord be faithful. Just think about the stories of David. You think about David and Goliath, God was pretty faithful. God was pretty faithful. Think about about King Saul chasing after David. God was really faithful. Think about David and Bathsheba, got himself in some mess. God was faithful. God was faithful. And he says, listen, son, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be an underdog, but my God was faithful. I know what it's like to be criticized, hated, even hunted, but God was faithful. I know what it's like to be caught up in sin and it was painful, but my God is faithful. He's faithful to forgive. I I don't want you to have to go down these roads. So I say this a lot, but I mean it, man. I want to learn from your blood. If you're older than me, I don't want to shed it. I would much rather learn from yours. If I can teach someone younger than me, the mistakes I've made in faith, in my marriage, whatever that is, I want to share that with them, no matter matter what it is. The, The younger generation needs to hear how God is faithful the next 10 years. So if you're only 20, you only know you have a God that's faithful for 20 years but I'd love to hear at 42, someone tell me this at 65. Oh, no, 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 Matt, get ready. 20 more years, he'll be faithful. And let me tell you what happened. Been married 15, 20 years. Let me tell you how faithful my God is the last, the last 20 of my years of my life. And I'm 65. We need to hear that. Other people need to hear how faithful, the, the faithfulness that you've experienced, you need to share it with other people. Let your life and your story be an inspiration. Let it be an inspiration to the next generation. Look at verse 21. It says, Behold, the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God. And with you in all the work will be every man who has a skill for any kind of service. Also, the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. So the purpose that we see God must be given Solomon, it can't be accomplished on its own. He needs other people. God chose that. God could have done it however he wanted to, but God wants him to use other people. And so David is is sure to remind the people on his team who are committed and ready to build this temple. What God wants to accomplish maybe here, he can't be done in one and two people. He needs, we, it's gonna take all of us to do, I think, what God wants to do. And so I think the best way to communicate or mentor with someone is to serve alongside of them. That's like the best way. Like there's, there's, there's too much of just let me tell you what to do instead of let me show you what to do. Because let me tell you this, the odds are a young family, it's just not going to happen very often. A young family is just going to walk up to a older family and just ask questions about things. Like a young person is never going to ask how you be, overcame an addiction because they don't know you had one. There are plenty of examples of this kind of mentor style relationships in the Bible. You think Elijah and Elisha. You think Moses and Joshua. You think Naomi and Ruth. You think Paul and Timothy. And the list goes on. Like it's, it appears it's supposed to work like that. Like there's somebody that you're pouring into that is a younger male or female, whatever you are, pouring into their life. 
And if you look at each one of those relationships in the text, the older party is, is offered this instruction and advice and is carefully supporting the younger party over and over. So whether you decide to retire early like the Levites or you keep working to whatever capacity into your 90s, part of your role as you age should be to pass on godly knowledge and godly wisdom that you've acquired over the years. Serve together, serve together. And listen, I understand I understand the idea of being in a small group together, <clears throat> age and stage. I get it. Some of you guys have raised kids and you're done. And I get it. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, I ain't going to a small group with kids. That's okay. Just find another area of your life. Maybe you're a greeter. Try to serve next to a greeter that's 20 years different than you. Let someone pour into your life. And if you're the older one, look for people to pour into. Let somebody tell you, stop talking. Like, I think your job, I think your, I think your declaration from scripture is that you have to invest. You've got to pour, 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 pour. Let someone tell you to stop pouring. And they're probably wrong because the Bible, I see everyone telling you to pour in, pour in over and over, serve together, join a small group together, get around people of other generations. You know each other, then you learn. Once you learn, man, I just think it, I think it advances the kingdom so much better. If I can learn something from someone older than me, it just, it just, you see it in scripture everywhere. It just works. Third and finally, and sow your resources. Sow your resources. First Chronicles 29.3 says, moreover, in addition to all that I've provided for the holy house. So even more, I've given you the instructions. I walked you through how we're gonna do this. And this is what he says, this is David says. Let me tell you what I got. I have a treasure of my own that's gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of God, listen, listen to what's, what's pushing. It's not even his love for his son. Though I think that would be okay. Like, I think it's okay that I would retire one day and I, I would leave monetary something for my children because I love my kids. That's not the motivation here. The motivation is because the love of the father, of my father, I have this silver and this gold, my devotion to the house of God that I give it to the house of God. So David gives of his own resources to the dream that he will not see become a reality. He may not be the one building it, but he still believes in the importance of it being built. He may not be there to see it through, but he can help fund what the next generation will experience and accomplish. Nothing says I believe in you more than actually investing resources into something that you may see or you may not see accomplished or even enjoy yourself. But something you know that will impact the kingdom by impacting those who come after you. So what can you sow? You can sow your time. You can sow your time. Empty nesters, man, you get back one of life's most precious commodities. You have, you have more time now. Some of you guys who have two, three, four, five kids, man, you, you feel like you have zero time. With sport, you have no time. Once you're empty, I just think that's a resource you get back and you have time. So I'll refer to Lois again. Lois has time. So she gives all this. I, I tell youth workers, youth, youth, I was a youth pastor for 13 years. I tell youth pastors all the time, one of my first people I look for, look for an empty nester. Look for military people, look at empty nester, military people, and single people. They have tons of time. <clears throat> commitment, military people, no commitment. You want good youth workers? Find these people. Find empty nesters. They have time. They're willing to give. They've already raised somebody, and that's what we want. I don't want just another cool youth worker. I want someone who's willing to help raise some young people up in Christ so you have time. And listen, that's not an excuse for those of us that aren't empty nesters. The reality is we all have a portion of time. Everybody does. And we invest that what we think is important. We just do. We invest it in the things that we think are important to us. So in all your time, 
Sell your talent. Invest your talent. God bless you with a talent. Maybe you haven't discovered what that is, but I know he's given that. Leverage it. Leverage it for the kingdom. These two guys, man, before I became out here at the lead pastor here, I oversaw the facility, uh, 80,000 square feet in Norman. I oversaw all that, but I had these two guys, John and Keith. Uh, they're retired. Once, once I mean, he's, he's young. He's early 60s, I think. He retired police officer. And another guy, I think, I think he was an engineer maybe, but he retired. And literally anything wood in that Norman location, even a lot here, they build it. And I'll see those guys at the church six, seven hours a day. Uh, I tease them all the time. We don't pay them anything, but they're always taking breaks. I'm always teasing them. Get off the, you know, you're on the clock. Come on. But literally, they, they just give. They just give. They give. They have a skill set that's unbelievable. And they're just sharing that back. They share their talent and compiled with their time. So share your talent. Leverage it. Whatever that is, leverage it for the kingdom. And, and the last thing, sell your treasure. Sell your treasure. We are blessed to be a blessing. If you have $2 in your account or $200,000, that's from God. And you're blessed to be a blessing to someone else. Have you guys ever seen the, the movie Schindler's List? There's a very powerful clip at the end of that movie. But if you, don't, if you haven't seen it, if you don't know about it, man, man Oscar Schindler was a, was a German industrialist who, who really was most well-known for saving at least 1,100 Jews during World War II by giving them work in the factories that he had. And he had to bribe Nazi officials, millions of dollars I read, in order to secure his Jewish employees' safety so they wouldn't be killed or put into concentration camps. So he gave all this money and he's, he's essentially bought these workers for his factory, not only for work, but just to save their lives. And I read he eventually actually went bankrupt. And so it's kind of hard to hear, but it's a very powerful clip. I want to show you a clip really quick from that movie. If you haven't seen it, just kind of, kind of zone in, tune in, because it's kind of hard to hear, but check us out. Why did I keep the car? Then 
people right there. Ten people. Ten more people. This pin. Two people. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for at least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. Person, Stan. For this. I could have gone. One more person. And I didn't. And I didn't. So, so I hope you could hear that. So the idea is like I could have saved more. So he says like, oh, why did I keep this car? Like I could have sold that. Could have I could have got more people. Like he's talking about his ring. That's two more people I could have. I just pray for all of us at the end of our lives. I just want to be able to say I did everything I could to help as many people come to know Christ as possible. I want to make sure I did everything that I, I could. Let me close with this. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11 through 14 says this. From the time I appointed judges over my people of Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up an offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, listen to it, I will discipline him with the rod of man, with the stripes of the sons of Man, it's interesting. If you just follow that text alone, the text shifts from being about the temple, that's this temporary kingdom, to the foreshadowing of Jesus and his kingdom. I hope you understand that anything we do here isn't about building this kingdom. The building we build out here in a, in a couple of months, it's, it's not about building this kingdom. It's everything, everything we do, if it be an inflatable outside, I hope you understand it's really about building the kingdom of God, that we can do anything, we'll do anything short of sin to reach as many people as possible. I don't know what it looks like when we die, but I don't want to stand there and think I could have done more. I just don't want to be that guy. I don't want to stand there regretting all the things that I could have done to reach more people. So I want to leverage everything. I don't care if that's finances, that's my time, my talent. I want to leverage everything I have that more people would come to know Christ. And my prayer is that we would be burdened with that. We would leave this place today with a heaviness, a burden that God has placed us in these, these sphere of influences that we're supposed to reach those people. And that may be in your neighborhood or at your workplace or on your Zoom phone call because of work the way it is. But that's, he's placed you there for a reason. And we'd leave this place a little heavy today to know that the burden, it really, God's, God's put you there. He could do it on his own. He could. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever forget that. I don't know why he shows you. I don't know why he shows me, but that's what he's done to advance his kingdom. It's leveraging our lives to do anything, anything to see more people come to know Jesus. Let's pray.
Father God, that is our prayer. God, that is the echo of our hearts to God that we would have the desire to leverage everything you've given us. Our time, our talents, our money, whatever that is, God, we leverage it for the purpose of not, not this church, but for your kingdom, God. For your kingdom, God, that we'd reach as many people as possible. And so just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to talk to the empty nest people in this room. Maybe you found yourself, kiddos aren't home anymore. Can, can I push you to, to show your faith? Can I push you a little more just to show what God's done in you? Some of you walk with the Lord for literally decades. Can you show that? Ask God to push you. I want to show this this week. Can you share the wisdom you have? There's so much wisdom in this room right now. Can I push you to share that? Some of you have raised kids and we got parents in here drowning trying to raise kids. Some of you have been happily married for 30, 40, 50 years and we have marriages that are in pieces. They need your wisdom. They need your godly wisdom. And ultimately you have resources because of the stage of life and you have resources and maybe you don't have a lot of money, but maybe you have time. I know you have talent or maybe it is financial resource you have that. Sow that into the kingdom. If that's here or somewhere else, just sow that into the kingdom, that the kingdom of God would grow. My desire is far more that the kingdom grows than Victory Family Church grows. Far more. Sow that in to the kingdom. That way we all stand there at the end and we know we did everything we could to reach as many people as possible. Maybe you would say this, maybe you are that person that, that hasn't been, quote, reached. And you've heard this sermon today and you thought, I don't know if this even applies to me, but, but I know I don't know him as Lord. I don't know him as my savior. I don't have this angst in me. But today, and I don't know, something's different. You feel your, your heart kind of stirring. Listen, that's the spirit of God. And he's drawing you to himself. You would never pick him, but, he's, but he's, he's pushing on your heart. And all we do is answer that. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that we're saved. He'll save us. There, there's nobody that says I want to be saved. And he says, no, he longs to be your father. He longs to adopt you as a son or your, or your daughter. He longs to. Just cry out. And we, we say this prayer weekly to give people an opportunity. That's not what saves you. He saves you. This is merely a start to saying, man, I, I want to follow him. If that's you today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I want you to slip up your hand. Just so I can see it because I want to pray for you. I want us all to pray this prayer out loud together. Pray this way. Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. 
Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.